Jason has been in the midst of a sermon series entitled Growing in Grace and Truth. And today we're going to take a, a look at some practical applications that we can make in that regard. So in a sense, it, today's slightly review of some things and some of my comments that I want to add to what Jason's been teaching and draws to some text to support it. And to use today as kind of a pep rally to get us to get fired up and to get serious about what we're doing. In another life, I was a basketball coach. I coached varsity basketball, and I remember 1984 when I first got hired from the job. I thought, I am going to read everything everybody ever wrote about this that's any good. So I went to Dean Smith, who was the coach at North Carolina, got his book, I got Bobby Knight, I got Thompson from Georgetown, and then it wasn't just a few weeks later, they offered a seminar down at Green Tree in Pittsburgh where all these coaches come in, and I went down there to suck it up. I took my volumes of paper, and I was going to write down all these great plays, and I was going to have an advantage over everybody. But kind of to my dismay, what they talked about over and over, one speaker after another, one book after another is, Coach, you've got to get back to the basics, and you've got to stick with the basics. It's the fundamentals, man. It's the fundamentals. And any time that a team was going bad, I remembered what I was taught. We've got to get back to the fundamentals. It's not the big secret plays that matter. It's not the big things that matters. It's sticking to the fundamentals. The fundamentals, the basics, they're exercises. The goal for a team is to win games or to win a championship. The goal for a Christian is to become like Christ. To do that, and that's what Jason's been urging us to do, to grow in grace, to grow in truth, to be like Christ. We need to set that as our goal. And it will profit us if we get back to the basics. Jesus offers a free gift to everyone. The gift is this, simply. I will save you from your sins if you trust me. Come and follow me. Exchange your life for mine and you'll live forever. That's the promise that Jesus makes us. The exercises that we're going to talk about today, there's going to be five of them. They, In them, we're going to explain or perhaps review But these exercises will not save you. Only the grace of Christ will do that. In fact, Romans, if it comes up, there it is. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is master, Jesus is the Lord of your life, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you have done that, if you've agreed with God that you've sinned and and if you've agreed that you'll accept Jesus' offer to save you, and you will make him the Lord of your life, then these exercises would be the next step. They're the fundamentals. They're things that will help us reach the goal, which is being like Christ. And let me say this. This is not to be taken casually. Jesus never told anybody, this is if you want to do it or not. Jesus was pretty firm about this. It's going to cost you to follow me. I'll save you. There's nothing you can do to earn that. But this is for serious people. Once saved, the Bible tells us over and over and over again, we're to put all of our effort 
and to becoming like Jesus and to serving him. And yet at the same time, knowing on our own, we can never achieve that. So we must ask and plead with God to give us his power, which he's willing to do to help us be made into the image of Christ. So I'm not only going to list five exercises today, but at least for the first couple, when we get to the end of the second one, I even want to demonstrate how you might put these into practice. Jesus tells us to do these things. I want you to keep in mind, and you can search scriptures, and you'll see this is true. Now, if we're told to do something by our Lord, and we don't do it, then that is a sin. Okay? Now, I don't have notes for today, but over in the notes section of the bulletin, there's plenty of room to write one, two, three, four, five. I'll give you one word to fill in each of them. You won't need notes because... I'm going to try to make this as simple as I can, and you'll remember everything we're talking about today. And many of you have already put most or all of these things into practice and have for a long time. So I guess for the experienced Christian or those that are maturing in Christ, the question is, how many of these things do you do pretty well at right now? Step one, the Bible. And what a day to show the situation in Korea. Here are people dying to have a copy of the Word in their pocket, and I've got 17 versions of the Bible on my shelf at home. It's amazing. The first thing that all Christians must do is read the Bible. Wait a minute. Read the Bible. I come to church. I hear the Bible being preached, but I don't regularly read the Bible because... Well, for two reasons. I don't have enough time, and it's too hard. Well, I will admit to you, there are some things that are complicated in the Bible. There are some things that some of the greatest biblical minds down through history aren't sure what it says, and they don't agree with each other on what it says. But it is loaded with plain, simple things that's easy for anybody to understand. So read the Bible and look for those things. Don't look to be a great theologian. Read the Bible and look for the things that are plain. The Bible itself teaches us what to do about the Bible and how to handle it and what to think. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul's writing to Timothy, who's a new young pastor, and says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Look like, looks like to Paul, giving advice to a young pastor, the Bible's pretty important, isn't it? Let me give you this piece of advice. It has served me well in recent years. Read God's word every day, at least a little bit, and expect that God will use that to impact you. Expect that God's going to use reading his word, the Bible, to change you, to encourage you, to bring some sin to mind and lead you to repent. Most likely cause you to take some kind of action. In Hebrews 4.12, the writer of Hebrews says this, For the word of God is alive and it's powerful. 
it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Like I said, coming up here just in a couple minutes, I'm going to demonstrate a method that I think is a pretty good one to read the Bible. But I'm going to hold off on that. But I do want to give you this advice for those of you that really haven't spent much time in the Bible. First of all, commit to doing it right now today on a regular basis. And start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through those slowly. Think about what you're reading. Uh, maybe read through some letters like Ephesians or Philippians or Galatians. Read maybe a little bit. You only need to read one or two Proverbs, and you'll get a load of advice to think about for a while. Read some of the Proverbs, and read some of the Psalms to see how David and other people praise God. For what things today give glory to God. Do not start with Revelations, <laughs> Leviticus, maybe even Numbers, Lamentations, and so forth. Get a version, and I'm putting some different versions up there today. I guess mostly I'm leaning on the New Living Translation. It is not a tight word-for-word translation, but it translates the thought, and I find it very reliable. And so I would advise to anybody that hasn't done a lot of Bible reading, start with one like the NIV or New Living Translation, something like that. By the way, too hard to read. As I said, you can look for the plain things. But there's lots of help. There's lots of people that are willing to answer some of the questions that you have. I know I'm still to this day asking many questions to many different people and resources. Also, the thing I addressed, well, I don't really have much time to read it. All right, I want you to picture this because this is true. Someday at some time in human history, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and he's going to ask you or bring to, he's going to recall what we did since we became a believer. Now, are you going to stand before him and are you going to say, Lord, I, it was suggested at one time that I at least take five or ten minutes a day and read through your word and, and uh, think about it a little bit. But, you know, I was awful busy. Uh you, you didn't watch any TV back then, or you didn't do this, this, or this? Nope, uh, I didn't have time to do that. You figure out how you're going to word that. I'm already wrestling with that myself. I don't want Jesus to say to me, you know, I've got recorded here, you spent 6,832 days, and you never opened the Word of God once in those days. Jesus is looking for people who are serious. Meditate and think when you read. Do things like this. As you read it, look for God. What do you learn about God when you read it? What do you learn about his character? What do you learn about his power and his goodness and his kindness and so forth? What about the people that's in the passage you're reading? What do you learn about them and how does that relate to me? Sometimes you'll read about people and you say, oh, that's pretty simple. Don't act like them. And other times you'll read a passage and say, oh, act like those people. Okay? It model, imitate them. Ask God as you read it, God, how do you want me to respond through this passage that I'm reading today? Jesus says it's really important. When At the time he was tempted, remember, he said, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
The Bible is the inspired Word of God. It's unbelievable because it was spread out. The writing of it was spread out over centuries to a whole to people in various cultures and so forth, but yet it comes together in complete harmony. It doesn't ever contradict itself from one writer to the next. It was all inspired by God. These are words of life. Doesn't it seem, especially in light of that video, I was thinking, to have words that lead to life at our disposal and leave the, leave the book closed. Now, I want to say this too. I use a multiple of things. In fact, on my... Uh, personal web page. You can go there if you want to look at my own pictures and stuff. But I do have a verse of the day that I, I look at closely. I do have a scripture reading. It's short, but this is how much I read. Okay? And I have a devotion. I, and there's a couple different devotions I use, and they're good. And some of them are inspirational and so forth. There's books I read. I've read books by, uh, Philip Yancey and, oh, just a variety of people. Those have really helped me. But, those are not substitutes for reading the Word of God. Those things that, uh, those books and devotions are written by people. They're not the inspired Word of God. Don't substitute those. If you only have time for one thing, go to the Bible and read the Bible. And not the devotionals and the books and so forth. Three primary ways that I believe God speaks to us today. Through His Word, through prayer, and through other people. The second thing you can put in your list, if it pops up here ever, there we go, is prayer. And I'm, tell, I'm going to argue that I think one and two will go together. And I want to show you why. But why pray? For a variety of reasons. We just sang a song about prayer. And I hope you looked at those lyrics and took them into heart. One thing, we pray for forgiveness and asking God every day, forgive me for my sins. In fact, uh... I don't know why I got a lag here. There we go. In Matthew 6, you remember this account. Jesus says, if you ever pray, no, he doesn't. He says, when you pray, the implication is pray. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, <clears throat> may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know why. I have to hit it four or five times, Stan. I don't know why. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Pray each day for things like this, because this we need as much as food. At least I think we do. I need peace every day. This I'm getting bombarded by all this chaos in this world right now. I don't start a day anymore without saying, Lord, I treasure peace, and please give me some today. Pray for strength, the strength you need to get through life. And again, my life... The struggles of my life pale in comparison by looking at what those people in North Korea are going through and other places, but I still need strength. Pray for opportunity. Pray for boldness. Pray for wisdom, godly wisdom. Pray for healing, all kinds of healing, particularly spiritual healing. I pray for my attitude in the morning. 
I pray, Lord, give me the good attitude today. I'm finding it easy to have a bad one. Help me to have a good attitude. Prayer and the Bible are fundamentals that cannot be skipped. Say that again. They cannot be skipped. Without them, you're susceptible to leading a weak, powerless life. You're apt to cave into the pressures of life. Without the Bible and prayer, you'll find it harder to find contentment. You'll not be at peace. The word and the prayer are critical. Again, will I stand before the Lord someday when I have to give him an account for my life and say, Lord, I just didn't have time to talk to you. I was busy. I had a lot of things to do. Here's our exercise for the day. I'm going to read this passage. This was a passage that I will post on my webpage in a couple weeks. What this is taken from is adult Sunday school. We have uh, this quarter in the Word, and it's a Bible reading for every day uh, throughout the whole Sunday school quarter. They kind of relate to or directly relate to the lesson that's being taught. I take the, this passage, and it's not long, as you'll see. This is one of the longer ones. And I say to myself, Lord, I want to talk to you as I read this today or when I'm done reading it. What is it you want to say to me through this work? And if this is all you have time for, and you haven't been doing this, what a great start. So I'm going to read this, and I'm going to ask you, what do you think God would lead you to pray for out of this? There's some things here it's hard, and there's some things here it's very plain. And what the Lord would lead you to pray for will probably be different than everybody else here. That's the power of the Word. He can use the same passage. And I can go back and look at a passage a year from now, and he'll lead me to pray for something totally different than he did 12 months earlier. So I'll read this kind of slow, and you decide what is it you would pray for yourself and for those you love. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation And we have a priceless inheritance. Whoops. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad There is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So what might I do if this was the passage for that day? Like I said, maybe totally different from you, but that's all right. That's the power in the word. I might just simply look at verse 6 and say, Lord, you say be truly glad. 
I'm waking up with an attitude that isn't really a heart full of gladness. Change me right now, Father. Make me glad and realize what I have in you today. You're protecting my soul till the day that Jesus comes back. I ought to be extremely happy for that. Why am I letting these troubles in my life get me down today? Oh, Father, please help me. I might say, there, I want to trust you more. Help me. And by the way, sometimes a passage even takes me away from the passage, my thoughts and prayer, and leads me to something else. That's okay. Again, that's the power of the word. But I might pray, Lord, I want to trust you more. And I see in your word what the reward for trusting you is. Increase my faith in you. Help me to trust you more. Help me to think about you more. Help me to lean on you more. I could go on and on, but you see how you could take just a passage of Scripture and pray real, meaningful prayers. Not that other things, Jesus says, Lord, give me today what I need, and I want to pray for Uncle Albert. Okay, he's not feeling well today. And all those are things we ought to pray for. But deep spiritual things that really have eternal consequences, they're in his word. They're here for us to see. Number three, praise. Just have a heart of gratitude and appreciate God. Go through life saying to yourself, I am going to praise God every day and throughout the day. I'm going to look at things such as the beautiful color of the trees and say, God, what were you thinking when you made that? Boy, you are sure an artist. Or, Lord, I needed help yesterday and you brought me through it again. Praise be to the name of God. Praise God all day long you'll find out it has a powerful effect. It's simple. It's fundamental. It's the basics. But it's something we ought to review every once in a while. Not just when we come together to sing a few praise songs, and those are important. I look forward to those times. But they're not as meaningful if I don't practice praising God every day. Praise according to Scripture is an act of our will that flows out of being in awe of our Creator being in reverence of Him. Prayer gives glory to God and opens us up to a deeper relationship with Him. It turns our attention off our problems and puts it on the nature and the character of God Himself. The more you focus on God and praise Him, the littler your problems seem to be. People who praise God regularly seem to be better with peace in their life they seem to be more optimistic. I've been challenging some people lately. Of all the people in the world, the Christian ought to be the most optimistic. But yet at times I see us sometimes as being pessimistic as we look at all this evil around us. Don't we know who's going to win in the end? We ought to be optimistic and full of joy. If we have to suffer for a while, what did the text already say? Well, that's to be expected. But God will refine our faith as we trust in Him, even in these evil days. People that praise God all day long don't seem to be down in the blues, or at least not as long or as deep. They seem to be healthier emotionally. They seem to be healthier, of course, spiritually, and even physically. As we focus our minds on God and proclaim His goodness, we reflect His glory back to Him. The result can fill you with peace and contentment. In Isaiah 26, Isaiah says to the Lord, God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. 
Focus on God, and the Lord will keep you in peace. He'll transform your outlook on life. So get in the habit of stopping and thanking God for something. If you already don't have the habit, if you already do, praise God. If you don't have that habit yet, start today with at least one thing that you're going to praise God for until you get to the point where you're thanking God all day long. Number, I'm old now, so I can't remember the number. It's four. Number four is fellowship. Jason has taught, preached on this. Be with other Christians. I just simply want to say this up front. This is not a suggestion. Hebrews 10, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the last day of his return is drawing near. Throughout Scripture, and if you don't believe me, I'm challenging you, read the Bible every day and see what it says about being with other Christians. The intent of Christ was never that we be lone rangers, that we're alone, that we're to live life together with other people who believe. Yes, we have our earthly friends and family, but our our true brothers and sisters in Christ is a family that's going to last forever. For a million years, they'll still be there. So we're to be with other Christians. The Bible, I can give you a few reasons of many, many, many. We're to be with one another to build one another up. We're to be with each other to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Again, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. And it means more than coming coming to church even on Sunday. It means more than that. It means a life where you're living it with with other brothers and sisters. You need to spend time with other Christians. And I'm just being frank with that. Too many people have let too many people slide on some of these things. These are the basics to Christianity. They were always in place. Now, how do we do it? Well, there's lots of ways, lots of opportunities in this church. We have things like blanket ministry and sharing care groups and prayer meetings and Thursday Bible studies and we have opportunities. We have adult Sunday school classes. We have projects that are being done at the church, uh, clothing ministries and different ministries where we're serving people in the church and people in our community. If you can't get out to do that, you're physically not able today, we live in the age of the telephone. They didn't have that back at Bible times. We can be together with another Christian or two in just a few seconds, can't we? And then we have cards and letters and things like that and texts and uh, emails and so forth. One of those times I mentioned that is Lou and Jared are going to be here. So here's a perfect opportunity. Stay and have a meal with your brothers and sisters. See what Lou and Jared have to say. But also the purpose of this is to rub shoulders with other brothers and sisters, to partner in ministry. How in the world can you encourage me and pray for me if you don't know anything about me? And you can't learn anything about me in church service because Jason won't let you talk while he's preaching. Okay? So you're going to have to figure out another way to do it. Okay, Randy, let's get right. If you're being this bold today, let's get right down to it. Do I have to be here every time the door is open? No. Well, I will tell you I read one commentator that said yes. 
But I will say, that's between you and the Lord. Get together and say, Lord, how am I doing fellowshipping with my brothers and sisters? How am I doing getting together? What opportunities should I be taking advantage of that I'm not? You get together with them. Everybody in here is different. Some people drive 45, 50 minutes to be here. Other people live down the street like where I do. It, it all depends on your circumstances and so forth. I got to get alone with Christ. I don't, I'm not held accountable by other people. I'm held account, accountable to the one I'm saying is the Lord of my life. He's the one that I'm going to have to answer someday. How did you do with that? Fellowshipping with other brothers and sisters. Spend time with people. If you know to do it and you don't do it, it's a... I will say this. There's times where I say, I do not want to go up there tonight. I am worn out. I am tired. It's dark. It's rainy. The lazy boy chair looks good. The baseball game on TV looks good. But I go anyways, and every time I do, I am so glad that I did. Especially whenever I don't want to, and I say to God, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. He reminds me, look at the blessing that it's in it, though. You... I asked you to go to bless other people, and other people blessed you, didn't they? Eh, we must be near the end. Number five, works. We should be looking to do good things to glorify God. As we serve Jesus, Jesus says, the greatest thing you can do, love God with everything you've got. The second greatest thing you can do, or as great, is to love one another. Be Jesus to everybody else. My job, if I'm going to follow Christ, is to be Christ to everybody, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, Paul writes this to the church at Ephesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for that. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for doing good things that we've done. So no one can boast about it. For we aren't, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us to be a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do good things He planned for us long ago. It was part of His redemption plan a long time ago. He would save people so that they could do Christ-like things for other people. That's why it's important to read about Jesus to see what He did so we can imitate and do those certain things to one another. So your good works won't save you. But if you are saved and if you have proclaimed Christ to be the Lord of your life, then you will be in the business of doing good works. We're to... This is a choice I have to make. I have to say to myself, do I want to honor God? Do I want... Did I really make Jesus my Lord? If I did, then the things... I need to do for other people. There are things I need to do for other people in order to be obedient to him. The one I'm claiming to be my Lord. Now, the ultimate good work would be what? What would be the ultimate good thing I could do for Christ? Share him. Tell what he means to me. Tell him what he's done for me. Tell him how, why I put my faith and trust in him. Just like, what was his name, Han? Just like he did. So here's a suggestion. I can't say I'm taking this right from the Bible, but I think this is implied. 
Pledge to yourself that you'll do at least one act of kindness every day, no matter what circumstance you're in. Okay? If you're already doing that, then double it. All right? But there's a good start. Say to yourself at the end of the day, did I do one act of loving kindness on behalf of Jesus? Not so people think I'm a good person. So people think he's an awesome God, and the people that follow him think he's awesome. I better quit. And I got through the five steps. A five-step plan that I think is going to help us as a church and as individuals to be closer to Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And I also think it will please our Father. I think it will give us the right attitude. I think it will give us peace. I think it will make you be a pretty nice person to be around. I think it will help you to be a better father and a better mother and a better brother and a better sister and a better friend. This plan will take effort, as any good thing does, that has benefit to it. But we've already read the reward is so great. The reward's more valuable than all the gold in the world. And your worship will become much more, our worship will become much more sincere and real. So every day, read the Bible. Pray. Preferably do the two together. Pray as you read through the Bible. Every day, praise God the Father. Praise His Son, Jesus Christ, for what He's done. Praise the Holy Spirit. Every day, well, if not every day, at least as often as you can, be with other Christians. But make an effort to be with other Christians as often as you can. Every day, at least do one act of kindness. No one was more serious than Jesus. Jesus came to earth and he was serious. He had a purpose about him. It was to save you and me, all of us. He wanted to save everyone. There was nobody more serious about our well-being than Jesus. I guess the question that remains is how serious are we about our Lord and Savior Jesus? When he comes, will he say, now that's a serious person. That's a person that was serious about me the kind that he wants to follow up. So we are going to sing, thank you, Jesus, because he was so serious about us. And that will be our rally cry as we leave here, to leave with hearts of gratitude and saying, I'm going to serve Jesus, at least by doing the fundamentals.